invite you to stand with one another as we share in the reading of God's Word this morning. We are reflecting on a portion of Matthew's Gospel, the 6th chapter, verses 22 and 23. You have that printed in your bulletin. Would you join together? The eye is the lamp of the body. Therefore, if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how terrible that darkness will be. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thank you. Please be seated. And um, hope that you'll utilize that handout, that outline that is um, in your material this morning. It provides some helpful insights as we look at God's word together. You may remember seeing images of somebody that was called Jihad John. Jihad John was that uh, British-born, British-accent individual who joined ISIS and was responsible as TV presence for some of the most brutal, vicious slaughter of, of innocent people over the last year and a half. They identified who Jihad John is. I'm sure it involved some great intelligence work, but it came down, the most key significant factor for identifying who this individual really is came from his mother. His mother made this observation. And you recall that Jihad John, his, he has, he's completely covered, a mask over his head, nothing can be seen but his eyes. Remember? His mother confessed, I knew it was my son by looking into his eyes. That's all it took. You know what your eyes are for. This morning, I want, you to, I want to challenge you. I'm going to try to convince you to think about your eyes maybe in a way that you haven't thought of them before. You think that your eyes enable you to see. I want to convince you this morning that they do way, way more than that. If you go to your optometrist or your ophthalmologist here in town, they will tell you that the eye makes it possible for you to see. Jesus says it does much more. Let's see what Jesus says. In the text we just read a moment ago, Jesus said the eye is the lamp of the body. If the eye is healthy, the whole body, the whole life, it's going to be full of light. It's going to be healthy. But if the eye is bad, the whole body will be full of darkness. Something very important is being established here. Jesus wants you and me to know that our eyes don't just serve a physiological function. Our eyes serve a spiritual function. And in essence, they are a filter that determines to a large extent the direction your life is going to take 
the priorities you're going to have, the decisions you're going to make, the focus of your life. If the things that enter through your eyes and the things that your eyes are focused on are good, then your body, your whole life is going to be affected in a positive way. If the things that enter your eyes, the things that your eyes are focused on, are dark, or corrupt, or evil, Scripture says that your life as a whole is going to be affected and will itself become corrupt and evil. You see, Jesus knew that our eyes have a spiritual function to play, and, and, and it's because I think he understood a basic foundational, core fact about human beings. And it goes like this. And this is the fill in the blank, the first that you have on your outline. What you see, you seek. You think about that. What we see, we have a tendency to seek. In other words, the things that we choose to look at, the things that our eyes become focused on, can work themselves in through our eyes, into our heart, into our mind, into our spirit, and create desire for that thing. What we see, we see. Here's some examples. If it is in the cold dead of winter, and you're freezing, and you pick up a brochure from a beach town in Florida, and that brochure has pictures of the beach and describes you digging your toes into the sand and talks about the warm climate. If you look at that brochure long enough, there's a high probability that you might plan a trip to the beach. Now, the advertisers in Florida, they're geniuses because... Their biggest dollars are spent during the winter months in the northeastern states. And you can go up there in January and February and see billboards everywhere advertising the beach. That's not by accident. They know that what we see, we seek. Pornography. It's a huge problem in this country. And it is directly a factor in sexual assaults, rape, incest, adultery, all forms of sexual dysfunction. Why? What's harmful, we say, about seeing sexually inappropriate images? What's the harm? What we see, we seek. Now, this concept isn't all negative. It has some good that has, can result from it. For example, Seeing images of starving children or seeing pictures of the homeless very often will prompt us to seek to do something about it, to give. Seeing the effects of drug addiction on someone we love and care about can cause us to seek ways to help.
seeing an image of a blackened, cancer-infested lung might prompt some people to seek ways to stop smoking. Do you get the idea? What we see, we often see. Our eyes have a huge impact, therefore, on the life that we live, the choices that we make, the priorities that we have. Now, so the question for you this morning is, what are you looking at? What are you looking at? Now, that's an important question. This question is important enough that one day Jesus made a pretty bold statement that probably shocked people when he made it, and it's recorded in Matthew chapter 18. And he was talking about the importance of, of your eyes, and he said, listen, if your eye causes you to sin, if it causes you to, to look at things that are, that are corrupt and not beneficial to you, if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out, throw it away. Because it would be better for you to go through life with one eye than to be cast into hell with two. Now, trust me, Jesus is not advocating the plucking out of our eyes. What he's advocating is that we take what we see seriously and that we use our eyes properly. You see, the biblical principle here is that if we are looking at things that are God-honoring, that are good, it's going to have a positive impact on our, on our life because we're going to seek those things that we see. And if what we're looking at is corrupt and dark and lacks the character of Christ and His goodness, then that's going to filter into our heart and the effect is going to be that our life as a whole is going to be adversely affected and everything about us is going to be affected. Our relationships, our habits, our decisions, everything about us. So I'll ask the question again. This is an important question. What are you looking at? Now, we could spend this morning talking about all the things that we should not use our eyes to look at. But I, but I suspect that we don't need to take that time because I think, bottom line, most of us probably already know. We already know. So what I'd like to do this morning is to focus on the positive. Focus on those things that, that God's Word says are the most productive, the most beneficial way that we can take these, these, these um, wonderful aspects of our body, these eyes, and use them the most effectively because they serve a spiritual function. The ways that we can use them in the most productive so let's take a look at what God's Word says. The first is really the most obvious. The best use of our eyes, number one, is to keep them fixed on Jesus. Just, just look at Jesus. Let Jesus be that which you focus on more than anything else. Look at Hebrews 12, too. Paul is describing the life that we live, this Christian journey. He describes it as a race, and he says, let's throw off every baggage, get rid of the sin that trips us up, and what? Fix our eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Now, what's going to happen 
when your eyes are focused on Jesus. You're going to seek Jesus more and more and more. And that's only going to enhance your life. You know why baseball, sometimes baseball outfielders don't catch the fly ball? It's because they take their eyes off the ball. You know why sometimes football receivers drop the pass? It's because they take their eye off the ball. And they start running before it's securely in their hand. You know why sometimes even the best golfers hit a horrible shot? It's because somehow, somewhere in the, in, the, in, the, in the swing, they take their eye off the ball. You know why sometimes Christians fall into temptation, fall away from their spiritual life, and give in to defeat and despair? You know why some Christians, their spiritual life just kind of exists rather than flourishes? They take their eye. Oh, Jesus. We get distracted. We get our sights set on other things. And when that happens, life just doesn't work as well. And if the eye is the lamp of the body, then there's no more important use of the eyes than have them squarely fixed on Jesus. And that leads to the second thing that's going to happen. When we do that, we're going to find that we're going to want to use our eyes more and more to explore God's Word. I love these two passages. First from Psalm 119. Open my eyes so I can examine the wonders of your instruction. In Proverbs 23. My child, give your mind to me and let your eyes keep to my Listen, nothing you do with your eyes is going to have greater positive impact in your life and bring more of God's joy into your heart than by focusing them, using them to read and take in God's Word. See, it's in moments of immersing ourselves in God's Word that we most often sense the Lord's presence in some profound and significant ways. It's, it's when we're immersed in the Word of God and, and living in, in, in God's Word that we experience God's Spirit reassuring us of His presence, flooding our hearts with His hope and His forgiveness and His comfort. You see, when we come to the Word of God, when our eyes read the text, Something happens that is difficult to explain, but also impossible to deny. That when we come to the Word of God, and when our eyes fall on the text, those, those words, there's power transmitted from the page into our hearts, and there's life change. If, you've ever, if you have ever come into the Word of God at a time of grief over the loss of a loved one, and you are hurting. And in the process of reading in God's Word, you experience the assurance of heaven and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. You know exactly what I'm talking about. There's power in that. 
And if, you, if you're in some season of, of your life where you're feeling hopeless or you're defeated or you're angry or and life's just not going really good for you, when you immerse yourself in, in, in God's Word, when your eyes are open to receive those words, they penetrate the heart and the mind and the spirit, and somehow you find yourself being infused with new hope, new joy. You see, God's Word may just be pages on a piece of paper, but when they enter your eyes and they move to your heart, there's life change, there's power that's unlike reading anything else. How often do you use the eyes that God's given you to, to study, reflect, and read His Word? And, and then I, I discovered another use of the eyes that I hadn't really thought much about before, but it, it was apparent as I looked at the Scripture, and it's this. One of the best ways to use our eyes is to use them to watch and learn from spiritual mentors. Spiritual mentors. Now, what do I mean by that? I think sometimes we think that this journey of living the Christian life is something we've got to do all by ourselves. And it's hard and it's difficult. And I talk to people all the time who, who say, you know, I, I tried to get my life to a time of prayer. I, I tried daily re- reading of Scripture. I tried going to church on a regular basis. I tried this Bible study. I did that. But I'm back to where I was before. It's just not happening. And, and it's as though they have sought to do this all alone. And it doesn't need to be that way. I think one of the most overlooked recommendations to grow ourselves and to keep ourselves, uh, our, our faith in Christ, alive and vibrant is something that Paul encouraged the Christians in the book of Philippi. And it's here in chapter 3, verse 17, where he says, Brothers and sisters, become imitators of me and watch those who live this way. You can use us as models. Now, Paul isn't being arrogant here. He's not being conceited. He isn't saying, I'm a great Christian, look at me. See, we need to understand that the people that, that Paul was writing to and trying to encourage, these were previously pagan people. These were not religious people. These were people who had never ever actually met Jesus Christ, and yet their lives are being impacted by this gospel that they're hearing about, and they want to know more. And now they're being called into a relationship with Christ. They're called into living a life that they have very little insight or understanding of. And so Paul says, look, watch me. Let me be an example to you. And I think that's great advice. And I suspect that in those early days, some of those Christians in Philippi they were able to endure in their faith because they used their eyes to watch folks like Paul and Barnabas and Silas and the other. Who are your spiritual mentors? Who are you talking to? Who's talking with you? Who is praying with you and for you along your journey? Not to have spiritual mentors is to deny ourselves a great blessing. I, as I think back in my life, I've had a, a number of positive spiritual my grandfather, my father, a pastor named John Ed Matheson, who I had a chance to work with over in Fraser Church in Montgomery. Professor in seminary, George Marsh. And I recall that during the course of my life, I would watch these, these mentors and, 
I would watch how they prayed. I'd watch how they cared for others. I'd watch how they utilized their faith in, in, in difficult challenges in their life. And just watching them, I can't even begin to measure their effect on my understanding of Christ and what it means to be a follower of Jesus and what it means to, to love God. Who are your mentors? Maybe you're looking at yourself and saying, Stuart, you know, I'm up in age. Uh, you know, I might have could have used a mentor 50 years ago, but uh, I'm beyond that now. Maybe you can be a mentor to somebody else, younger than you. To the younger folks here, do you have mentors? I mean, there's a wealth. I guarantee you there are people sitting in this room right now today who have walked the path of faith. They've learned it a tremendous amount through their experience. They have so much that you could learn from them. Maybe they might be candidates to be your mentor. Timothy and Silas had Paul. John Mark had Barnabas. I'd encourage you to find someone. It would be their honor if you were to ask them. And then fourthly, to live this life most effectively, to use our eyes most positively, we need to use them to see the needs of others. Philippians 2.4, one of my favorite passages. Let each of you look not to your own interest, but to the interest of We live in the day of the selfie, don't we? You know what a selfie is. We love, I don't understand this, but for some reason, we're just enamored with taking pictures of ourselves. You know, I guess we couldn't do that with the old-fashioned cameras, but now we have the capacity to take pictures of ourselves. And we've even coined the phrase of selfie. And some people, they just love taking selfies. It's so popular that now you can get a, a selfie stick to hold it out even further, make it even easier. We're just preoccupied with ourselves. And the, the crazy thing is, not only are we enamored with taking pictures of ourselves, but then we take those pictures and we post them on Facebook and Instagram because we think everybody else is just as interested in looking at pictures of us as we are. I don't know who phrased, who coined the phrase selfie, but I, but I think it's a great name. I think it means more than just a picture of ourselves. I, I think the name can conf- convey something about human nature, a weakness that a lot of us have. And that is tendency to focus on us. To see us. To notice us. To be fascinated by us. Often to the exclusion of others. Here's the truth. If all you allow your eyes to see 
Or if the primary thing you desire your eyes to see is yourself, you're going to live a sad, isolated, empty life. You see, it's when we focus on others, it's when we see others, thus loving others and serving others, it is when that's the focus that we really begin to discover how to truly live. What are you looking for? This afternoon, if you're out on the street or you're down at Ashley Park, some other location in Noonan. And somebody looks at you rather sternly and says, what are you looking at? It's probably not going to be a good conversation. And it's going to be spoken in a tone of derision. When Jesus asked the His tone is nothing but love. He wants to know what you're looking at. Because he knows that the eye is the filter that impacts the rest of your body, the rest of your life. He wants to make sure you understand the value of it and the appropriate use of it. I know one thing. I want to live my life, and I suspect you want to live your life, so that when the end of life comes and we stand before the Lord, He can say, I recognize you. I can tell you're My son, you're my daughter. I can see it in your eyes. Let's pray together. Dear Father, These eyes are amazing tools that you have given us. But like most of what you give us, you give us the discretion to use them or abuse them. Oh God, help us to have the wisdom to know how to properly use these tools that you have given, for they serve a huge, huge spiritual function. They, indeed, in ways beyond 
what we sometimes know or understand, guide and direct everything else about the life we live, the relationships that we have, the course in which our life is lived. Oh God, this morning perhaps there are some among us who deep down understand and realize that they are allowing their eyes to go to places and see things that reflect not your light, but darkness. God, convict, convict that person or those persons among us now so that correction can be made and light and goodness and Christ-likeness and holiness rather than darkness and corruption and evil will begin to flood that person's heart. Oh God, may all of us Devote these eyes that we have to be used in a way that most honors you and which most empowers us to experience life most fully. It's in the name of Christ that we